And you have to break the shackles of how your parents raised you. Oh, you have to work really hard to make any money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is hard to come by. You've got to save those pennies. No one saves their way to the rich list. Success leaves clues, as they say, and um, the traits of the greats can be modelled if others want to be successful. Now, when it comes to wealth building, if you go back through history, way back thousands of years, uh, and you study the world's greatest billionaires, pound for pound, you know, adjusted for inflation, which I've been doing for the last 15 years, and that culminated in in my book, Money, um, there are a few common traits, and I think that there are four main traits. So one is intense curiosity. There has not been a billionaire or someone who's wildly wealthy who has not wanted to learn more, who has not uh, been good at asking questions. And it seems like billionaires, they want to understand how everything works and they're able to always stay in student mindset. Because you'd kind of assume when you're a billionaire, well, I don't need to learn anything else. I'm a billionaire. But actually, that is rarely the case. And sometimes that's driven by pain and not pleasure. Um, You know, maybe voids that they're trying to fill or, you know, often people who are the the wealthiest, you know, maybe have issues or trauma that they're trying to fill. And through their, you know, wealth building vehicle, um, the pursuit of that is filling the void. Um, So intense curiosity. There's many billionaires I've interviewed for my money podcast And many of the billionaires often end up turning the tables on you and asking you questions. And you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I'm not the billionaire here. You are. I should be asking you. But, you know, they they know that they can learn from everyone. So curiosity. Um, The second thing is they, they have transcended emotions around money and they know what money really is and isn't. And, you know, some people in society say, oh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer or, you know, money is the root of all evil or the love of money is the root of all evil. Or it's really bad to, you know, have material items or, you know, if you get rich, you take from the poor. None of these are actually factually true. These are just human beings, projections and emotions. Um, In reality, people who produce the most Um, products and services at the the highest scale and quality end up becoming billionaires or at least decamillionaires or centimillionaires. And those who consume the most, i.e. who buy everything with labels on or buy things that go down in value, don't invest and value money, value other things that go down in value more than money. You know, they would be called consumers and and they're the ones that go down in net worth. So there is a model behind it. And, you know, the vastly wealthy have transcended what people project around money and they understand what money is. They understand that money is a a reward for valuable work. It is a universal exchange of value. It's a unit of account. It's a measurement of worth. It's a way of keeping score. It's a way to contribute, to create, to innovate, to continue invest in, you know, products and services for continual disruption, evolution and innovation. Whereas you know, a lot of poor people projected by media and society and their parents 
oh well you know money will make you bad people will judge you you shouldn't you shouldn't love money you know it's, you know you, sh- you should give it all away etc the third thing that i've seen in, in the vast uh, uh, wealth over the ages is a, a deserving of opulence a feeling that i am worthy of riches i am worthy of uh, to have nice things to do nice things to travel well gandhi traveled very well Mother Teresa travelled very well, took a lot of money to travel Gandhi and Mother Teresa around the world. People don't know this. Mother Teresa almost saw herself as a money launderer in a positive way. She would happily take money from really rich people who had maybe gained it through illicit means and clean it up and give it to the poor. So, um, you know, people who surround themselves with wealth, um, they believe that they are worthy of those riches. Whereas a lot of people feel unconsciously that they're not worth that or to buy, you know, fancy things or to, to spend frivolously, that would be an opulence and that would be distasteful. And, you know, if they do, do that, that money could have gone to the, you know, the developing world. So um, a deserving of wealth and opulence and, and riches is the third thing. And then the fourth thing is a desire, even a necessity to create vast scale. Like you, you can't be a billionaire just having a product or service for your family or even your community or even your county or maybe not even your country. It has to be at least your continent or the globe. And actually, two people in the top eight in the rich list at the moment have visions to get us off this planet and for us to grow interplanetarily. So you go from familial to local to community to country to continent to globe to interplanetary, to one day intergalactic. As my, my friend Navin Jane, who's a billionaire, says we'll have to get out of this galaxy if human beings want to survive the next, I don't know, 500 million years or something. But it's the scale of the thinking and the desire to serve vast numbers of people. Now, when it comes to business and wealth, new level, new devil. And when you solve a problem, your reward is a bigger one. And, you know, billionaires understand this and they just, you know, you, you, you can't imagine Elon Musk, who's second, at the moment in the rich list. And one of the youngest, by the way, you can't imagine him going, oh, that problem, oh, that's beat me. Now I'm out. <laughs> it's almost like he loves, the bigger the problem, the more uh, sort of, you know, in flow he seems to be. So they're the four most common traits of the wealthiest billionaires of the last 10,000 years. Brilliant, a, a short history. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of picking up from that, do you think that we have, a bit of a perhaps maladjusted relationship with the way we think about money because a lot of the time when these lists come out as you sort of mentioned a lot of people think oh you know these people they they don't do anything for their community they don't do this they don't that but you know actually a lot of them do do a huge amount and as you say you know they're they're so driven that the wealth can just exponentially grow even sort of without them doing much because they've just had that drive that vision from the start so do you think we kind of need to readjust the way we think about people who do have a lot of money oh well i would say generally yes but i think it does depend on your culture your upbringing your parents the media and society that you're in so some people if you were born in a very affluent place where money was abundant and mindset was really open to wealth, you've probably got that mindset. Whereas if you were born into a scarce mentality or a poor upbringing or where media and religion and society projected that, you know, the 
the downsides and the perils of money, then you've you've probably got that upbringing. I think culturally, for example, the UK is a bit more closed minded around money and wealth building than, say, America, for example. So it totally depends on your own upbringing. But, you know, if you want to change your mindset around money, um, then you have to break the shackles of how your parents raised you. Oh, you have to work really hard to make any money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money is hard to come by. You've got to save those pennies. You know, no one saves their way to the rich list. It's impossible because interest rates are so low. Even if interest rates were 5%, it would take you two lifetimes to save your way to, to wealth. You have to invest your way to wealth. You have to sometimes speculate your way to wealth. So, you know, in, in a way you think, well, saving is common sense. But saving is only a step on the ladder towards wealth building. Saving is one step up from spending. So, you know, it's not really high up. It's investing and speculating and, uh, you know, an, an open attitude to risk that's ultimately going to build vast wealth. But basically, the beliefs you have around money will directly drive your bank balance. So if you believe money's the root of all evil and wealthy people are greedy and, you, you know, they, they, they take um, from the poor and they're consumed by power, you will naturally not want to be that person there. You will, therefore, you will naturally repel that thing. It's too easy for people to say, oh, you know, we don't need any billionaires or the billionaires, you know, they're making too much money. Well, the billionaires collectively are giving away the most money. And, um, you know, if you look at the rich list at the moment, for example, number six is Warren Buffett. Uh, and Warren Buffett pledged, I think, to give 99% of his wealth back. Now, if his wealth is 100 billion and he's going to give 99 billion back, that's probably more than one third of the world's population is giving. And all those people who go around moaning about billionaires, how much money are they giving? Now, you know, some people say, well, tithing's 10%. That's great. And that's really good to do that. Um, but, um, well, Warren Buffett's 99%. So you've got to step up your game there. Uh, and, and by the way, fourth on the rich list is Bill Gates. Um, and Bill Gates has pledged much of his wealth to, sorry, sixth is Warren Buffett. And he has pledged 99% of his uh, wealth to give away. And fourth is Bill Gates who's, and him and Melinda Gates have the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, of which they're giving away much of their wealth. And Warren Buffett has, I think, pledged something around 50 billion to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So two people in the top six there, sandwiched by Mark Zuckerberg in the middle, um, are probably collectively giving away 150 billion. Two people, 150 billion. So before you judge someone, actually endeavour to figure out what they're actually doing. And many of the schools, the libraries, the hospitals, you know, the, the vaccines, etc., that we have now are from billionaire philanthropists when you actually do your research. But, you know, there's a little saying which is a bit off the beaten track, but it's related to your question, which is hurt people hurt people. So when others judge the wealthy, it's generally through a pain or a lack or a void within themselves, because if you are truly happy in yourself, you, you, you don't need to criticise anyone else. And if it does really annoy you how much money all the people on the rich list have, then why don't you go and take your share of them? Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, and, you know, you have podcast books, a lot about, you know, money, making it, managing it, spending it. 
what is the most common question you get asked? I'm sure a lot of people say, you know, I've got this brilliant idea. You know, I want to make, I want to become a millionaire. How do I do it? What, what, what's the most common question that you get asked about money? I think there's two. One is if you had to start again from scratch with no money, what would you do? And because I became a millionaire around about age 30 and then a decamillionaire a few years later. Um, and then the second one, yeah, is, you know, how do you become a millionaire in the shortest possible time? So what I would do if I started again is I would get good at raising finance and I would get good at selling ideas and concepts to people because money goes to good ideas. Money goes to good solutions. Money goes to things that are valuable to you know, the most amount of people. Money doesn't necessarily go to money. Now, people say that money attracts money and it does through compounding and interest and, you know, and other fundamental money concepts. But you know, there are companies that have raised billions of dollars, like right now Clubhouse has raised hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of dollars, and it's not even making any money yet because you know, VCs and money is attracted to the idea, the disruption, the innovation, etc. So, um, you know, get really good at creating good ideas and then selling those ideas and you'll attract a lot of money and also get really good at attracting good people. So, you know, be, be um, attractive in the, in the um, work ethic and energy and, and desire to serve and solve and scale and, and your desire to solve problems and be committed to a cause of wealth building. If, if you give off that vibe, you will attract great people to you. And then when it comes to being a, a, a millionaire in the shortest possible time, the first thing I would say is you've got to leverage the network effect. So some of the um, greatest living uh, and dead billionaires leverage the network effect to become billionaires like rail. Rail made many billionaires because it connected the globe. Um, steel made billionaires because it created rail, which connected the globe, telecommunications, air travel, you know, over time, the things that connected the globe or were used by billions of people like oil, you know, how many oil tycoons were there? Because oil is what may not be in the future, but, you know, in the past has been used by everybody. But the modern millionaires, billionaires are leveraging the internet. So you've got Mark Zuckerberg, number five, you've got Jeff Bezos, number one, you know, and those two have leveraged the internet. You know, they're both under 60 years old. Mark Zuckerberg is, un, I think he must be in his 30s now. Don't know if he's even 40 yet. So the internet has scaled millionaires and billionaires quicker than ever. So leveraging the internet, whether that's social media or finding your customers and clients online and getting distribution and reach through the internet, whether that's e-commerce or information, um, that's definitely a, a very you know quick way, relatively quick. You know, the average age for a billionaire maybe three decades ago might have been between, it might have been 57, 60, something like that. And now you're getting billionaires in their 20s, which never happened because of the speed of connectivity. Um, and then you've got to desire to serve enough people to make enough money. So, you know, if you've got a hundred pound product, how many have you got to make to, to turn over a million, sell to turn over a million? Then how many have you got to sell to net profit a million? So 100 products at 100 pounds, I think is 10,000. So 100 products at 10,000 pounds is a million in the turnover. And if you've got a 50% margin or a 30% margin, you've got to double or 150% that. So you've actually got to figure out how many widgets do you need to sell 
and then break it down by day. So if you wanted to become a millionaire in three years, um, you know, let's say you've got to sell 10,000 units, you divide it by a thousand days, you only need to sell 10 units a day to become a net worth millionaire. So when you look at it like that, it's not as hard as it looks. Well, yeah, I mean, sound, sounds easy. It's my job. My job is not to make it sound hard. <laughs> and um, my final question then to you as a disruptive entrepreneur is, does money still drive you? Absolutely, yeah. You know, you know, people say money doesn't make you happy. Yes, it does. <laughs> I've been poor. I've been £50,000 in consumer debt, earning £200 a week and spending £300. And, you know, people say that millionaires and billionaires are obsessed by money. But I think when you're always struggling for money, you're more obsessed by money because you're always thinking about the money you don't have and the things that you can't do because the money you haven't got. And money does solve a lot of problems. It makes things easier. You can travel easier. You can put your kids through to a nicer school. You can get a slightly nicer or even an electric car, you know, if you want to do good for the for the planet. So, um, you know, definitely money is something to be embraced uh, and not to be, um, you know, sniffed at. Don't judge making money until you've actually done it yourself. And, you know, anyone who says, oh, you know, money doesn't make you happy. I don't think it's ever had any because I've, I've met many billionaires. You know, I've, 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 I've probably interviewed 15 billionaires. I'm friends with many billionaires and not one has said to me, do you know what, Rob? Money makes me so unhappy. Would you just take my billions? Honestly, it's ruining my life. Just take it. Take it all. I don't want it anymore. It's causing me all these problems. Um, so money does solve problems. You know, how do you, you need to, to have vaccines? You need billions. You, you know, money solves the world's greatest problems. If you remember that money is a universal exchange of value, a unit of account, a, 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 you know, a, a measure of worth and value, you, you know, I think many billionaires use money to keep score, whether they're looking at themselves on the rich list and Larry Page is going, damn, Larry Ellison's one above me, um, you know, and, and that sort of friendly competition element. Or whether you're setting a goal so that you can afford a nice house and a nice car and three nice holidays a year. Or it just makes you feel like if your net worth is going up every every year, I'm progressing in my life. If you went to the gym, you wouldn't want to get more overweight. You wouldn't want your strength to go down. So, you know, you weigh yourself and you look in the mirror. That's what you do. And with, with when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and money, the way that you know that you're progressing is if you're making more money. But there's also the argument that you know, having huge amounts of wealth, having billions also comes with a huge amount of responsibility and, you know, managing that money becomes a full time job. Yeah. Because you, you've got to do you've got to do something with it. Yeah. So um, would you rather have a full time job in the coal mines or a full time job managing your billions? I, I don't know which one you would prefer, but yeah, I mean, look, by the way, being wealthy is, does not have all upsides. Um, I, I have a Lamborghini Aventador. I reversed it out of my garage in a bit of a rush. I snapped the wing mirror off. That'll be a £7,000 bill. The insurance is £5,000. I crashed my Ferrari into the News International building. I was all over the mainstream media. And of course, you can imagine what the 6,000 people in the comments on the Daily Mail online website said about me and, and my driving ability. Um, so it, it yeah that would have been yes that's very true so yeah money does come with responsibility insurance security managing it well not letting it go to your head not not letting it turn you into you know a bit greedy and power hungry but 
Being poor also comes with massive responsibility of how do I feed myself? How do I, you know, send my children to a good school? How do I add value to my community? Really, what money does is buy you time and then you choose what you do with that time. That was perfect to end on. That is so true. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate it. You're very inspirational. Thank you. <laughs> See how you, you're doing what you do. Um, thanks so much. All right, great. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.